0: Thank you for tuning in to the Apostolic Pentecostal Church podcast. You are currently listening to one of our iGrow series lessons. If you're in the Bloomington, Illinois area and want to sit in person, feel free to join us Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for Worship in the Word. Can't make it in person? No big deal. Find us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram and search Apostolic Pentecostal Church. Either way, we'd love to fellowship and worship with you. We hope to see you. All right, so tonight's class is finding God's will for your life. I already said my one funny joke for the night, so uh, we will get into it. I think it's important first, before we start trying to talk about God's will for our lives, I think first and most importantly, it's, it's for us to look biblically on what is God's will. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Can anybody give me just an idea off the top of their head what they think God's will is? to love others. Good. Can you give me a biblical scripture for that? Um, Mark. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay. See, sure. That's my bag. <laughs> <laughs> how about uh, how about if you read Mark 12:28 through 31? I got you. That's a great commission. 28 through 31. And one of the scribes came, and having heard their reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked Ask him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. To 31. Yep. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So commandment, will, along the same lines. The commandment and the will of God is that we love the Lord with everything that we are. We'll get into some more scriptures here in a minute. The will of God is that we love and we serve Him. That's why we were created. We were created to worship Him with free worship. Not like the angels who are commanded and, and despondent to the Lord to serve Him. We have free will. And God's will is that we freely choose to worship Him. But not just that we worship and love Him, but that we also love our neighbors. That's a really tricky one. That's a really tricky one, especially in today's society. Like you thought it was hard in 2019 to love your neighbor. It's really hard in 2021, 2022. You wait till the clock keeps on ticking. It's going to get really hard because people are drawing set lines. We think as Christians that we can draw set lines. It's not in the Bible. Jesus didn't draw set lines. But yet here we are thinking we're so intelligent and so evolved as Christians and and studiers of the gospel that we think we have the ability to put our opinions and put ourselves on other people. Now, there's biblical standards that we have to follow after. But when it comes to loving people, there's that's all the Bible says is that we're supposed to love people. We're supposed to love them and love them unconditionally. And when we start putting limits on that, we fall immediately out of God's will. And that's important. That's important. When we talk about finding God's will for our life, as soon as we start chopping up what he's put in the scripture we're out of it and, and it's it's black and it's white I hate to use those terms but it's left and it's right it, it's one or the other you you can't have both so good job Joe how about luke 19 and 10 would somebody want to turn there talking about God's will somebody read can you read that for me mm. 19 10. Um, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Seek and save that which is lost. The, the will of God is that none should perish, but that all should be saved. Amen? We, we don't gather together as a cult group. We gather together finding the will of God, pursuing after the will of God. Why? So we can go and do God's will and seek and save that which is lost. Right? We can't save anybody, but we can go disciple people. And we can show them the way to Christ. And once He reveals His will to them, salvation is right around the corner, amen? So when it comes to finding the will of God, these are things that we need to put in our mind. How about let's go to Romans 12, 1-2. So we haven't even got into finding the will of God in our lives yet. We're just really studying out what God's will is right now. Somebody want to read it? I can read it, but then you're just going to have to hear me for an hour. Yes? 12, 1 and 2, right? Yes, sir. All right. I beseech you, agree. therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what that is. what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So everybody's heard this scripture before, right? And, and we've all just chalked it up as a scripture that a pastor reads during a certain time and a certain place and a certain setting, right? But there's, there's a lot in here that's showing us what God's will is. And Paul is explaining it to the church of Rome because the Romans were a bunch of Jews that had stayed in this little pot and they had taken Judaism into this place and there was no Christianity that came in of Jesus. And Paul is trying, trying to teach them that they're supposed to be con- not conformed but be transformed by the renewing of our minds and by a separation and a holiness. That's what God's will is. That we would be separate separated from this world, from this worldly culture. And it, it, it does have to do with dress, but it also has to do with this. Right. Right. It, it really has to do with this. Right. Because when we choose to follow God's will, this, change, this changes before this changes. Right. And as soon as this changes, this immediately falls after. I don't know if you know this, but you can't go anywhere without your head. Have you ever tried to take it off and go? Now, I know a lot of people. <laughs> I, I knew there was some coming. Now, I've seen a lot of people walk around with a head, but nothing going on up there. But you can't do anything without this. And, and God is calling us. In, in Romans 12, uh, Paul is laying out the definition of our Christian life. That we all that the life would be a spiritual worship. We are, we are created to worship the Lord. Not just Sunday morning from 10 to 10.30. But our lives would be a worship to the Lord. Now, if my life is a worship to the Lord and I'm headbanging out to some headbanger music and you're like, oh, he's getting into my music, I'm going to get into everything. Right. Because it involves everything. Right. Yep. If, if I'm listening to de- demonic, satanic worship, if, if I'm watching immorality on the television, if, if, I'm, what, if I'm eating things that, that aren't good for me, I'm not worshiping God. And you can say, where, do you find, where can you find that? I can find that from Genesis to Malachi. I can find it from Matthew to Revelation. It's, it's in the scripture. And so when we're talking about the will of God, before we ever talk about what it is in our life, we have to know what it is to Him. Because we're fooling ourselves if we think we're following the will of God and we're doing what we want to do. Yeah. We're, we're, we're fooling ourselves. The will of God is that we should worship Him using our minds, our hearts, and our bodies to express the worth of God. So when we don't worship Him the way that He is supposed to be worshipped and is worthy of worship, we show how we think how much we think He is worth. It, it, it's, it, it really draws a line in the saying when you start to think of it that way. He went to Calvary to die for your sins and my sins. He laid it all on the line for us. And sometimes it's too hard for me to get up and pray in the morning. Sometimes it's too hard for me to get in my Bible and read it. Sometimes it's too hard for me to put down Netflix. Sometimes it's too hard for me to listen to a different song. Sometimes it's too hard for me not to watch a YouTube video. Sometimes it's too hard for me to make my attendance at church. You see where I'm getting at? Every time we do that, we devalue His worth. And we show other people. How much we think He's worth. Do you know what that does to your witness? Yes. Hey, I love the Lord. You should come to my church. Listen to this music. Come with me to this party. Hey, just try this once. Do you see what that does to our witness? And here we're, we're wanting to follow God's will, right? But yet every time we don't, we, we, we lessen. We lessen and we lessen. How about let's go to Isaiah 46.10. I love this scripture because it really shows our place in this. We're either a part of God's will or we're not. And and that's that's all there is to it because His will is going to continue. I want to be a part of it. I think you came to this class tonight wanting to be a part of it as well. And it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. It just matters of us getting in line and following after the Lord. Somebody want to read 46.10? Declaring the end. From the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. Saying, "My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure." All. Nobody's going to stop the Lord. This is Isaiah prophesying. Nobody's going to stop it. Nobody was going to stop the uh, the Babylonians from coming in. Nobody was going to stop the fall of Babylon. Nobody was going to stop the birth of Jesus Christ. It wasn't going to be stopped. God's will is not going to be stopped. You know what's going to be stopped? Us when we step out of it. You ever known somebody that thought they were in the will of God and they marched through their life and all of a sudden they hit this really heavy wall? I have. I've experienced it myself. If if I'm just going to be honest with you, have you ever experienced it to yourself? You you got a little bit of puffed up chest. You started to walk in the Lord. You got a new jacket. (laughs) You thought you were all that. You started following your will, and then all of a sudden, where did that come from? It's because if we're not careful, we can quickly fall out of God's will just as much as we fell and walked in God's will. So tonight I want to talk about eight steps to knowing God's will for our lives. Eight steps. Number one, walking with God. Number one, walking with God. If we are truly interested in knowing God's will and plan for our lives, then we must learn to walk with God. Amen. Amen. It's not something that we're going to learn from a one hour class on a Wednesday night. It's not something we're going to learn being preached at on a Sunday morning. It's something that we're going to literally have to get in the trenches and begin to do it's like when you're a little baby if your mom and dad never put you on the floor to get you to crawl to get you to walk and they just always set you in that seat you're not going to know how to walk it's the same it's the same with the kingdom it's the same with God's will if we never start to do it and experience it we're never going to know and we're just going to sit around and look at people and go why does she have all this stuff why is God blessing her and doing all this stuff and we're just going to sit there and because we never really started to walk with God. Uh, go all the way back into the garden. It was in the cool of the garden that Adam and Eve walked with the Lord, right? Yeah. The, the perfect lives they lived and the desires of the garden had nothing to do with the garden. It wasn't about the garden. It was a beautiful place with every tree that they could want, every animal they had dominion over had nothing to do with the garden. had everything to do with God had everything to do with that relationship and the fact that they walked with the Lord in the cool of the day. They were literally in relationship with Him, walking with Him. It, it, it's an example to, to be careful that sin is lying in wait, seeking whom He may devour, right? But when we walk with God, what should our lives look like? The garden. Oh, but what about all the sin? Sin was defeated on Calvary. We, we don't have to wait till we get to this heavenly place to have joy and peace and love and the fruits of the Spirit here on earth. God's, when we want to walk in God's will and we start to walk with Him, all that stuff is added to us, the Bible says. But it was in that cool of the garden. It had everything to do with God. It was that relationship that made the garden beautiful. And they took it for granted. We are blessed to live in a nation where we can worship anytime we want. right. But that blessing sometimes turns into a burden. And we take it for granted how much we can worship. Sure. And people go on missionary revivals and they come back and they say, Oh, you would not believe the worship that those people over there in that country, however, wherever it was, displayed. And it's nothing like here. Because we're so blessed, we forget what it's like to walk with God. We just want to dial them up. I just Google it. What is God's will? God's will is that I eat three bags of Cheetos... I go to church, I pay what I can. No, that's not God's will, but you can find that on the internet. Sure. sure. right? Because that's, that's what that's what's happened. We've taken our relationship and our walk with God and we turned it into convenience. Yeah. It's not really convenient for me what is the common age in here? 23, 24. 25? I'll just keep going up. 26? <laughs> so, Brother White what <laughs> skewed that number a little bit with some of our elders in here. <laughs> 45. <laughs> 45, Brother White. <laughs> the, 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 age, the age that the, the majority of the room is at right now. If you're not careful about finding the will of God, you're going to find yourself 40 and wonder what happened. I've got people, saints of the church, that can testify about it. And they can tell you they've seen people. If we take it for granted, our walk with God, and our walk with God is different than our church attendance. Please understand that. There's some correlation there, but it's different. If we take for granted our walk with God in that relationship, it will really just turn into a check mark. And you hear that all the time, but it will really turn into a box that we check. And it will not be about the love that we have for the Lord, and it will not be about that relationship. And when we don't have that relationship in that walk, there's going to be trials and circumstances that are going to come. And as soon as those trials and circumstances come, we're going to fall. Because we didn't have the relationship. We didn't have the connection that we thought we had. What we had was a connection to a pastor. And what we thought what we had was a connection to a church. And that's great and that's good. But it's not going to get you through the hard times. And I'm just telling you there's hard times coming. If we believe, how many believe that the Lord is coming back? I believe the Lord's coming back. Do you read your Bible? Because it says it's only going to get worse. I understand that there's grace in that. But it's only going to get worse. And if we don't have the walk down. We're not going to be able to be the church in the end time. We're not going to be able to be the church of the revival that God is calling for in the end time. People are not going to look to Bloomington Normal and go, oh, there is a light of God in that city. They're going to go, what happened to all those saints? What happened to all those people? Because they didn't have a walk. And you're at an age right now where there shouldn't be anything more important to you than your walk with God. Yeah. that's good. I understand you don't have a lot of free time. But your free time should be consumed with walking with God. Because everything else... I can give you examples in my life. I didn't get into church till I was 21. I can give you examples in my life where every time, every time i start to follow after the will of God, He would open up doors. He would open up opportunities. And, and there are people in here that can testify the same way, but our walk has to be the most important. Uh, Christianity was once about the very relationship But now if we're not careful, it can become about traditionalistic idols. We don't have those in church. Sure we do. Andy Stanley refers to them the old couch. We have things that we do just because we've always done them. That's tradition. That can be an idol. You want to know how much it can be an idol? Take it away. (laughs) See how many people get upset. First time you take it away, people get upset. It had nothing to do with the walk. It had everything to do with the religion. And if we're not careful... A Wednesday night Bible study can just turn into something I need to go to to get myself fed. And it really needs to be about that relationship. We should be bringing something to the Bible study, not waiting to be fed at the Bible study. The garden disappeared for Adam and Eve and for all humanity. uh, When the free, uh, free will relationship ended, the beauty of the garden, the casting out, The something had to die. They had to be clothed to put on the outside. The cherubims with the swords of fire standing at the gates had to be put there. But it wasn't to keep them out of the garden. It was to keep them from that relationship. I don't want to be cast from God's relationship. But every time we do choose to not follow His will and to walk with Him, that's the choice we're making. That's the direction. And it's a slippery slope. You could think it's just one step. I just want to experience And the next thing you know, you've slid down because you've stopped walking with Him. It's a slippery slope. To walk with God, we must cultivate. It's a heavy heavy verb. It means to work at, to dig up, daily work, our relationship with Him. Some of us are lazy. Is my wife raising her hand and pointing at me? Nope. I can be lazy. Nobody else going to admit it. (laughs) If we're not careful, our laziness can creep up and we just do the bare minimum to get by. We just do the bare minimum to commit. A farmer doesn't just do the bare minimum so that the crops grow in the field. A farmer goes out and cultivates. Now, they got some pretty high-tech machinery nowadays. And they can just push a button and it'll go and it'll do all that. But they got to watch it. they got to be there. they got to work at it. they got to know the soil content. they got to know the seed. they got to know all of this stuff. And if we're not careful, we can again take God for granted and we can lose out on all of that. We can lose out on our walk. We can lose out on our relationship because we're lazy. Yeah. It's, it's true. Nobody likes to be told they're lazy. How many times does pastor get up on a Father's Day and call us men lazy? Everyone I can remember. (laughs) He did it so much that he's got to bring in other preachers because that's all he wants to say to us is that we're lazy. But you know why he says it? Because it's true. But it's just not men. It can be the women. (laughs) It's humanity. And it's comfort. And we want to seek what's comfortable. This flesh wants what's comfortable. Seeking to know him, not just seek to know about him. I wonder how much we seek to know about him instead of seek to know him. I want to know about him because I want to tell Josh some cool stuff. So when Josh asks me, I got an answer. I don't need an answer, I just want to know him. Because when I know him, that light, like when Moses came down from the mountain and he glued, you, you don't have to have the answers because you'll just, there'll be a glow about. And God will give you the answer. The Bible says time and time again, He will give us the words to say. And then when all we do is study so that we sound smart, that's not a relationship. You can go to college and get a degree to do that and not know anything about climate change. (laughs) How about somebody read Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 for me. He shall direct thy paths. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. When it comes to walking with God, it's in all thy ways. Not in some. Well, I really want Him to be part of this, but I don't want Him to be part of that. You can't do that. You you can't. It's in all thy ways. If we want to be in God's will, it's all or nothing. I'm going to hit that over the head tonight with the drum. Because I think there are some people that are following after some modern Christianity terms that they say, well, I'll just get what's right, that I want to get right and everything else I can keep to myself. It doesn't happen that way. Okay. Never once in the Scripture did it happen that way. And never once in 2021, 22, whatever you, however long we live, is it going to happen that way. It is God's way and that's it. That's right. And so we either want to be in His will or we don't. That, that, that's, that's the decision. And Solomon here is a prime example of that. The wisest man in the Bible, right? Wrote this scripture. On the Lord with your heart and do not rely on your own insight and understanding. How many knows what happened to him at the end of his life? It, it wasn't, he didn't write this then. And if we're not careful to constantly reflect in our walk with God it doesn't matter how young or how old we are, we always have to be mindful of that relationship with God. So the best way to cultivate a personal relationship with God is by spending time with Him. Letter A, the Bible. Spending time with, with Him in Bible reading. Now I know that every year, and the year's rolling around, there's a lot of people excited about the first of the year, right? because you've waited since August (laughs) to start all over, and there's a lot of people excited about the first of the year, and then your Bible plan, there's a new Bible reading plan that comes out, and you can can start there, and you can work your way through. Can I just tell you, the Bible reading plan is great, but that's not a relationship, that's That's not a Right. That's That's checking a box. That's right. Reading the Bible is opening up to to a right set of Scriptures, reading it, and then having a conversation with God about it. I really don't know what you're saying here. And, and, and meditating and praying on that set of Scripture. Not trying to get through something just so you can say, Joe, I got it! Yeah, buddy! I got the year of the Bible done. I'm not taking away from it. Please, don't, don't get me wrong, but that's not a walk. Right. That, that, that's not a walk. A walk is totally different. Also, time and prayer. Time and prayer. These should go one, two, right side by side. One, one. Side by side each other. Because if we're not seeking God in prayer, how do we know His will? Right. How do we know what His will is for us? We go to His Word because His, His will is in His Word. And then we've got to have that conversation. Sometimes that conversation, and I'll talk about it a little bit later on, sometimes that conversation is about listening and not about talking. Do right. you believe God can still talk to us today? Yeah. Sure. I believe He can still talk to us. I believe He's still wanting to talk to us. Most of the time it's because we don't shut up. (laughs) And we tell Him what His will is. God, this is Your will for my life. Your will is that I marry this person, and I'm married on this day, and we have this many kids, and we go to this grocery store, and we drive this car, and we live in this house. God, that's Your will. And all the while He's saying, well, I was going to send you over there to do this, and I had this planned out for you. And that's where I had the joy and the peace and the happiness and the love and I had all that set up for you over there. So time in prayer. And then C, uh, time involved in church. Now I know I said this in the beginning that we're not just about checking a box, but the church is very important. We need to be a part of the church. When the church doors are open, we need to be in the church. It's it's not about religion. It's not about following custom. What it is, it's about that relationship with the Lord. It's about combining with your brother and your sister and getting involved in the worship collectively, together, and lifting up one another. I don't know what Keaton's going through. But if I miss out when Keaton's there, I'm missing out about being being part of the body. I don't know what Colleen is going through. I don't know what Josh or Joe or anybody in this room is going through. But if I just take it for myself, I'm not following God's will. You know why? Because God's will is that none, none should perish. But that all should be saved. And if I'm not in there cultivating the work, the talent, what God has put in my life, then there's something missing from that service. And you can say what you want. The Spirit of God will still move, but it's not going to move the same way if I'm not there and I'm not a part of it. I can promise you that. Each of us has been given a different, unique talent. And we need to be involved in the body. And if we're not in the body, we're only hurting ourselves, but we're also hurting our brothers. I believe that we should be that specific. Uh, we should be in that. They, I believe that. Forgive me. Time in the Bible, time in prayer, time involved in church should be in that specific order. That specific order. Bible, prayer, church. And you say, what about my prayer life? I need to have my prayer life first. They're one in one. Remember? Yeah, right. <laughs> church. Church. Without a Bible reading and a prayer life, you're just coming to be a part. Church, without a Bible reading and prayer life, you're just coming to be a part. It's the same. No matter how you flip that, that church, we need the time in the Bible and we need the time in prayer. Uh, we're going to be talking about finding God's will in our life, not God's ministry in our life. It's completely different. This isn't a ministry class to raise us up to be ministry leaders in this or that. God's will is not about a ministry that you're going to operate in a church. God's will will lead you to a ministry, but if all you want to dive in is to find a ministry that you're going to fit in, that's not God's will. That's not God's will because we're all one body. There's one pastor. There's one head of the church. Everybody else is on the same level. We're, we're, We're so taught for To seek position and have position that we miss out on God's will. God's will says the first will be last and the last will be first. Yeah. And here we're struggling because we think we've got to get somewhere to be something, and that's not His will. That's good. Yeah. As soon as we would let all that go, do you know what happened to the church? It would boom. It would blossom because there are people that God wants to bring in that are so on the edge of what's going on in their life, and they don't, He don't want to bring them into bickering. Joe, don't get a blessing. I really need this. And that's what happens. And so we have to make sure in our Bible reading and in our prayer life that we're praying God's will, not for a ministry for ourselves, because that's not God's will. Right. If we put C before A and B because we're interested in a ministry rather than relationship, when things get tough and we get put into that ministry, whew, better be careful because we ain't going to be ready and know how to handle it. And I've, hand- I've handled things wrong in my own life. Because I got myself out of whack with how things were supposed to be. And you know what that looks like? It looks ugly. Not only does it look ugly between you and the person that it happened with, people see it. And they start to notice. And they start to go, wow, something's not right in his life. That never should have happened. And so we need to make sure we're walking with God. Matthew 6.33 says this, But first and most importantly, seek. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. Seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude of character of God, the attitude and character of God. Seek that, and all these things will also be given unto you. When we start walking with God, we don't have to worry about all the other stuff because he's going to add it as he sees fit to add it into our lives. This is the hard one there's things God's going to take away. Sure. That's tough. We love getting stuff from God, don't we? Yeah. That's why we talk about the Holy Ghost. The greatest gift. You want to give God's going to give you a gift. We don't talk about God taking stuff away. True. But when we're following His will, sometimes there's things He takes out. Right. He takes it out because He's punishing? No. He takes it out because it's His will. Because He's going to maneuver. And He's going to position. And He knows that if He doesn't ever take that out and remove it, you're just going to keep going down this way like you're 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 following after Him. And He did a U-turn 27 miles ago. And so we have to be careful because God is about giving and taking. That's His will. Well, how do I know it? Your Word. In prayer. And be at the church. Those are the two things. Number two, I'm going on. Number two, surrender your will to God's. Probably the biggest hurdle for all of us in this room, seeking God's will, surrendering our own. You know what sounds a lot like God's will in my life? My will. (laughs) It it sounds really close to the same. Because I will say, God, what's your will in my life? And then I'll answer, Double cheeseburger and a large fry and a Coke. (laughs) I will say, God, what is your will? Do you will me to have this car? I will you to have this car. You've worked so hard for it. You deserve it. Doesn't that sound like a lot of of God's voice in our lives? Come on, you can be honest. (laughs) If it doesn't, you need to get up here and teach this class. Instead of asking God, what is your will? We often insert, okay, God, here's what I'm planning to do. Now I need you to let me know if it's okay. We ask him if it's okay. But then we throw in there, but be quick. I kind of already made plans to do it. God, am I supposed to go to this person's house? I already told him I was coming, God. You don't want me back out on my word. I'm supposed to be truthful as a Christian, God. Right? We do these kind of things, but never, never, and, and, and youth, we think these are small things, right? We, we think these are small, small stuff. It's small potatoes. God doesn't care who I hang out with. Sure, He does. God doesn't care what I do in my free time. Sure, He does. Because if we understand, God wants to be in part of every part of our life. God wants to be involved in every aspect. He wants to be involved in what job you work at. Why does He want to be involved in what job we work at? Why? Because he has plans for us. Sure. He has people that he has ordained for, to be in our circle, that we are going to influence and impact. And when we go out on our own and we choose different, and then we wonder why we hate our job and we're not happy and all of this stuff is going on, then we go, "Why did you do this to me, God?" And he said, "You only gave me two seconds to make a decision. And you already told the job the people at your work you were taking the job. Oh, I just lost one. My... Ooh, that's embarrassing. Do this all the time. There we go. This is how Jesus taught His disciples to pray in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 9-10 in the Amplified says this, Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, everybody heard this before, hallowed be Your name, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we surrender our will to God's will, that's what it looks like. Let not my will be done, but Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Do you know what his kingdom doesn't look like? And I don't mean to get on the guys right now, but it doesn't look like Xbox. My son is huge into computers right now. It does not, I'll, I'll just pick on him because he's not in here. It does not look like computers from 4.30 to 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Do you know also what it doesn't look like? It doesn't look like other things. It, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm going I'm to avoid some of that right now. When we surrender our will to God's will, our prayer changes and it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. This is how Jesus prayed in Matthew 26, 39. And after going a little farther, He fell down on His face and prayed, saying, my Father, if it is possible, again, I'm reading in the Amplified, that is consistent with your will, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Have you ever faced a tough situation? Or maybe you had to. God was giving you an opportunity to witness, and He was giving you an opportunity to witness to some people that you knew weren't going to take it well. And you did this. So, what are you guys doing tonight? Does that make sense to anybody? You go to take that step, but as you're taking that step, you shut down. Jesus is giving this the same this example. It's on a grander scale. He was sweating blood. It was so heavy on His flesh and so heavy of what He was going through. He was God-wrapped in flesh, but He was sweating blood because it was so heavy. And He says, Lord, if it's not Your will, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, not My will, but Thine will. When we start to strip away our will and insert God's will, that's what our conversation with ourselves looks like. God, I'm going to embarrass myself for You right now. will, but thine will. God, my group of friends are never going to talk to me again when they find out how crazy I am for you. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine will. And then you go through that and you get persecuted. Well, how we get persecuted today, right? Somebody makes fun of us and then they post it on social media. He got hung on a cross. <laughs> The disciples got stuck in the ground and lit on fire. They got beheaded. I mean, seriously, let, let's, let's put it into to terms, okay? When, when we choose God's will instead of ours, it, it looks totally different because we don't care. Because it's His will. Because He knows that there's somebody in that group that needs to hear it. They're not going to let it known right now. They're going to follow in some of that bunny, making fun of you and all that stuff, but then they're going to reach out to you on the phone and say, hey, you know what you said? Yeah, I appreciate it. That's right, I couldn't say it then because I'm not strong enough but man what you said or, or what you said it really impacted me in that moment and that's how we know that we're in his will and not our will is that making sense tonight the heaviness of the garden of Gethsemane is where the flesh of Christ began to sweat blood to the pressure God wrapped in the flesh was under his prayer was if it is possible let this cup pass from me why ask that right Why ask, if it's your will, let it pass. It was God wrapped in the flesh. Why ask to give us an example? To give us an example of what my will compared to His will looks like. My will wants to avoid it. His will wants to walk in it. Because He knows what's on the other side. Flesh, the desire of the flesh is contrary to the Spirit. Jesus knew it was not possible for the cup to pass from Him. And why He finished with not, your, not my will, but thine will. You know, there's some things in this community that God is waiting for you specifically to walk into. Yeah. Sure, I believe that. Yeah. And until we get to the point where it's His will and not mine, we're never going to walk into them. This church, you hear a pastor, myself, Bradley, you hear anybody that gets up behind this pulpit talking about revival. That revival hinges on our shoulders. God has ordained it. He is just waiting for us to walk in it. And the only way we can walk in it is to remove our will and insert His will. Yeah, right. And when we do that, all power and glory from God is going to come down and be upon us and this, this, this world is not going to know the revival that is in front of them. Before God will begin to, revive, to reveal His will in us, we, we first must be committed to doing whatever it is that He desires for us to do. He, He's not going to give you a city if He can't trust you to give your tithes. He's not going to give you a city if He can't trust you to be in the Word. He's not going to give you a city if He can't trust you to get on your knees and seek after Him. It's not going to happen. And so God's will will likely be slow to show. It'll likely be slow to show, but as we go, it'll increase more and more and more and more. And it'll all be on His time, not mine. I'm quick. I want things fast. Amen? I talk fast. Not as fast as the micro machine guy. Anybody know the micro machine man? He was fast. But I can get going. That's why I make up words, Tori. I make up words because I get going so fast my mind can't keep up. But when it comes to the kingdom, slow. Slow steps. But those slow steps aren't a foot at a time because sometimes God is already in front planning and you go all the way out here. And you go all the way out here. It's not like the game of life or whatever game of uh, trouble where you have to go all the way back to the beginning. No, God picks you up right where you are. So when we surrender our will to Him, that is when God really begins to direct our steps and we truly follow His will. That's so why I asked the question when you came in here tonight, who is interested in following God's will? And I'll be honest with you, when somebody asks a question and raises your hand, can I just tell you, as somebody who sat and received that question before, the people who are really interested shoot their hands up. The, the people that aren't sure, they don't raise their hands. I, I've been in the seat. <laughs> I, I know. Because if you're coming into a class and somebody's teaching something you're really interested, you fire that hand right up in the air. I'm not going to ask you again because I've loaded the question now. But there's some desires of our hearts that we really need to examine. We, we really need to look at If if we're going to follow after God's will, and it starts with getting rid of ours, it starts with getting or it continues with getting rid of ours. Number three, obey what you already know to be God's will. Another big one, simple yet complex for us to comprehend. What do you mean, obey what I already know? We oftentimes can't seem to want to know what God's plan or will for our lives is, but in reality, we clearly overlook his will is already being threaded through the Word. Sorry, Joe, thanks yeah. for bringing your Bible tonight. I should bring mine sometime. <laughs> God's will is clearly stated throughout this book. And what we do is we don't want to read it, we don't want to invest time in it, so we go to people. Josh, can you tell me what God's will for my life is? <laughs> I guess, and that should be the answer but most of the time we get people telling us what they think God's will for our life is and really it's really God to tell us what his will for our life is we'll get into some of that um, if I got time here in a minute about mentors uh, God is very clear about many many aspects of his will I'm going to go through some of them I'm not going to hit them all the plan of salvation very clearly written in the scripture right God's will is what? That we repent. That we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. And we shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's very plainly written. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one God. It's clearly written in the Scripture. God's will for our life is clearly written, but sometimes we just don't want to see it. I'm not interested in seeing that. I only want to see what Jesus said. Jesus says, you shall be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Not the fact that He was speaking out of His person. And if He revealed Himself in that moment, the world wouldn't have been ready for it. But if we follow what His disciples said, they said, we know the name of the Father. We know the name of the Son. We know the name of the Spirit. And that name is Jesus. It's God's will written all over Scripture. But sometimes we choose not to follow after it. You have to know what you already know. Sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3. For this is the will of God, that you may be sanctified. Again, I'm reading the Amplified. Separated and set apart from sin. That you abstain and back away from sexual immorality. Don't try to make it right. Right. It's in the Scripture that it's wrong. Well, I'm going to marry that girl someday. Good. Wait till you're married. Oh, stepping on some toes, right? It's in the Bible. Yep. I'm not getting on a soapbox. I'm just telling you what's in the Scripture. That's good. I'm not being hypocritical. I was outside of the world when I was younger. I'm not trying to be hypocritical. What I'm trying to tell you is when I came into the Lord, He revealed things to me that I did that was wrong, and I had to repent for them. Right. So I'm not trying to sugarcoat it and telling you, go out and do it as much as you want, and then just repent. It's wrong. You know it, and it's wrong. Abstain. Back away. Get out of the way of. Don't tell your friends that it's okay. Don't joke and laugh about it. Why am I getting all amped in my voice? Because it's all over the world. And the more that the church goes, oh, that's so cute, the more the church lines up with it. And it's not right. That's good. I'm not judging anybody for it. Chief among us. I'm not judging. What I'm saying is it's in the Scripture. Don't think we need to change the Scripture just to make you feel better. The Scripture wasn't changed to make me feel better. The Scripture brought brought conviction. Conviction brought change. Change brought the Spirit. God began to move in, so let's let's not sugarcoat this stuff so we feel better. Again, go with what you know. God is leading in His will to what we know. Don't forget just because lust riles up in your flesh. Homosexuality, Leviticus 18 and 22. You shall not lie intimately with a male or as lies with a female or as a male lies with a female. It is repulsive. Not my words, the scriptures. Well, it's 2021. This culture says it's okay. I'm glad it does. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is not changing. So when we change, that's our will. And we need to know, again, again, I'm not talking about the sin. What I'm talking about is the word. What I'm talking about is the scripture. Please, if you want to talk about sin, that's fine. It's not this class. This is God's will class. And God's will class is that homosexuality is wrong. So go with what we know. Don't go, well, I think it's okay. It's not. Yeah. Now it's my will. Well, I want to include everybody. Good. Reveal to them what the Scripture says and then say how Jesus came to, to bring them back that none should perish, right? Yeah, right? And let's go that route. Holiness, 1 Peter 1:16. Because it is written, you shall be holy, set apart, for I am holy. I could go through a whole bunch of other Scriptures there. But again, it's not that class. This isn't a holiness class. This is God's will class. But God clearly lays out dress, attire. God clearly lays out communication. God clearly lays out a separation for us and this world. Clearly lays it out. So why are we blurring the lines? You came to the class. I didn't tell you you needed to come here tonight. It's clear. And here we are, trying to impose our will. Over God's will. Why do you think it started with the walk? And then it went to make sure it's not my will, but His will. Because now you get into what you know. And if we don't have the walk, and if we don't have His will, when you get into the what you know, well, I need to make it inclusive for everybody, Joe. Everybody needs to come. We'll just have a transgender Sunday and it'll be okay. No. No, it won't. Because it's not scriptural. It's not biblical. Women are called to wear these. Men are called to wear this. Women are called to do this. Men are called to do this. And we need to march down the line. Not because it's our will, but because it's His. And we also don't need to walk with judgment. What we need to do is walk with love and kindness and correction and care. And go, listen, I know what the world is telling you. But can I tell you about the love of Jesus Christ who died for your sins upon the cross? Not so that we can live of who we are, but so that He can call us into what we're supposed to be. It sounds a whole lot different than holding up a sign going, you're going to die because of your sin. And when we're following his will, that's what it looks like. Because he went to eat with the publicans. He went to eat with the prostitutes. He just didn't stand there and go, oh, God has got something for you. And when we get to his will, it won't matter. It won't matter at all. Marriage, Ephesians 5, 24, 25. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives should be subject to their husbands. Husbands, we like to stop there, but that's not where it ends. In everything, respecting both their position as protector and their responsibility to God as head of the household. Their responsibility to God as head of the household. Husbands, love your wives. Seek the highest good for her and surround her with a caring, unselfish love, just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for her. There is a biblical plan. of what it should look like. Well, I don't really like my wife, so I'm just going to go out all the time. That's not marriage. And when we want to talk about strong marriages, that's where strong marriages look like. Strong marriages don't look like separation. Strong marriages look like that coming together. How about children? I don't have time to get into this. Tithing, Leviticus 27 and 30. It's biblical that a tenth of our income, a tenth of the gross, a tenth of the blessing and abundance that God has put into our life is supposed to come back to the storehouse. Where's the storehouse? The storehouse is your church. The storehouse for Joseph was in Egypt. The storehouse for you is your church. Well, I should be able to decide what's done with my money. Good. That's your will, not God's. God's will is you give it to the church and you don't ask the pastor a question about where it goes because it doesn't belong to you and you just give it over to him. Can I be honest with you? That's the next most important one for a lot of us when it comes to whose will and what's will. Because the world doesn't teach that. What do you mean? A tent? i I'm barely getting by i got to give money to God? How in the world? Because it's His will. Because it shows His worth. It shows where He belongs in your life. I I wasn't raised in church. I told you that. I got into church at 21. My wife grew up in a home that tithed. It took a long time for you to teach me, didn't it, dear? (laughs) Because I was of that mindset. I Just rubbing two pennies together. What do you mean? God wants one of my pennies. Is he, is he selfish? <laughs> He's God. He can just speak and money would have No, that's a G. God doesn't need my money. He wants to know where my, His value in my life is at. And it doesn't matter. There's a 10% and you should try to hit that 10%. Can I tell you a great place to start is a dollar? 50 cents? Something? Something coming out of your pocket because it didn't start with 10% for me. Right. Please again, I am not up here standing like I got it all had it all together. I'm doing a little better, right dear? <laughs> I'm doing a little better. But it's taking, it's that act of taking. Yeah. It said, Lord, I could use this, but this belongs to you. So and putting it in there. And it begins to change the dynamic of my will and his will. So we gotta know we gotta no, go with what we know. We gotta start with the walk. We gotta put his will in front of our will. And we got to go with what we know. Number four is we got to seek godly input. Man, I am not going to get through this. <laughs> seek the input of godly mentors in your life. We should have at least three godly mentors in your life. And can I tell you who number one should be? Your pastor. He's the man of God. That's right. The only man of God in this church that is the pastor. Right. There is only one pastor. And his name is Brad and He sits right over there in that office if you're not going to him for counsel, who are you going to? Right. Sure. Well, there's another pastor that I know. Really? Because he doesn't pastor you. That one does. Right. Well, I was watching this guy online and, and he was doing really good. Really? Because he doesn't know you. That guy does. Right. And if that guy doesn't know you, there's a problem with you and not him. Because he's the shepherd of the flock. Go with what you know. And what I know is that guy is the pastor, and if I need some advice, I need to go to that guy. And if that guy can't give me the advice, he will lay it out to somebody else who can But if I just go to Joe and say, Joe, I'm having some problems with this, Joe's eyes will get this big. Go, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but if I go to him, and he's pastoring Joe, and he says, you know, Joe would be a really good one to talk to. Why don't you go talk to Joe? And then I come and talk to Joe. The authority has now been transferred. And Joe can now speak in my life when I lay it out to him. You see how that works? Right. And oh, pastor needs to be number one, but there needs to be two others. Why does there need to be two others if I just need my pastor? Why does there need to be two others? Because the more voices, the better. The more godly counsel, the better. Our pastor, pastor, is 150 people. You think he's got time for you? I'm sorry, he does. Sorry, sorry, pastor. When we surround ourselves with godly mentor, they will lead us in helping us to discern God's plan in our lives. The story of Eli and Samuel. Samuel was a young man and the voice of the Lord called out to him. Everybody know this story. And he was lying in the bed and the voice of the Lord called out to him and he got up and he ran to Eli because he thought it was Eli's voice. Eli said, it's not me. Go back to bed. He did it again, did it again. Finally, he came back and Eli said, it's the Lord. And he calls out to you again. You need to respond to them. Here, here's your servant Samuel. Because the mentors in your life have experience. You don't put mentors on the same level. Right. Your mentor is an elder. That's why our elders are so important in our church. That's why we don't, we don't use our elders enough, but they're so important. They've been through life. They've experienced things. They, they've heard the voice of God in situations. The same ones that we're going to. And it's exact same thing that happened with Samuel and Eli here. And he knew it. It took him a little while, but he knew it. And said, this is what you got to do. And when he did it, God responded in a mighty way and Samuel's life was completely changed. And so when God is talking to us, sometimes we're not going to know what He's saying. And it's important to have mentors that can come and speak into our lives. Proverbs 11.14 says, Where there is no wise, intelligent guidance, the people fall and go off course like a ship without a helm. But in the abundance of wise and godly counselors, there is victory. Counsel, godly counsel is scriptural. It's God's will. It's not God's will for me just to go, I'm going to figure it out myself. I can do this all on my own, God's will to begin with, so good luck to you. But how many of us born in America want to do it our way? Absolutely, every hand in here at one point in time in your life. You've wanted to do it your way because Burger King said that you could have it your way. And now all of a sudden, every aspect of our life, we think we can have it the way that we want it. And it's not biblical. It's not godly. We need to have counsel. Being in church every single time the doors are open help attract godly mentors. Well, I just don't have any godly mentors. When was the last time you were in church? Three months ago? Are they supposed to come find you? You're the one that needs the mentor. God's already speaking to them that they're supposed to mentor you, but they're, again, not going to come after you and grab you around the neck. Have you ever seen somebody go after somebody that was running away? It looks horrible. That person's going like this. And then you got some older person running behind them like this. <laughs> So we need to make sure that we're in the church to seek that godly mentor. The more we involve ourselves with a community of believers, the greater our chances will be to finding godly men and women who can help discern God's will in our life. It's why our pastor should be our number one. He can help lead us to them and finding those who are the other mentors. We often don't want mentors in our life. We want the counsel of a friend and peers. But they don't know what we're going through it's you could go to Rehoboam in the scripture and he had the elders that said no you need to back off a little bit and his friends said no you need to pound it on even more and you can look at what happened to, to his kingdom once he did that our friends are going to tell us and think the way that we think it's not biblical it's not, it's not biblical guidance Dave Ramsey said you should never take financial advice from your broke relative right. <laughs> that's good right Tim But how many times do we do it? Hey, Josh, I got 20 bucks. What should I do with it? Bad example. example. (laughs) Hey, Tori, I got 20 bucks. What should I do with it? That's a bad example. I apologize. Oakley, I got 20 bucks. What should I do with it? Man, now let me tell you. (laughs) I will apply the same. (laughs) I will apply the same to our spiritual walk. We should not be taking spiritual advice from people who, have lost, people who are lost. And we should be careful of the amount of influence we allow teachers and people and other mentors in our lives if their values don't add up to God's values. That's right. This whole society is built with professors who have doctorates who think they can tell you whatever they want to tell you. And we're supposed to listen to them because they are higher educated. There's only one higher educated. And that's God Himself. And that is the counsel that we should follow after. Because if we're not, we're going to be confused. And then we're going to start reapplying our own values. Let me give you the rest of them. Number five, know who you are. Know who you are. Now I don't have time to finish. But I'll give give you the titles. I got time. First Peter 4 and 10. Just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent and ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faith filling with your divisive, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. God has given each and every one of us special talents and gifts. Joe doesn't have the same talents and gifts that I do. Josh doesn't have the same talents and gifts that I do, but I don't have the same talents and gifts that they do. And if I'm constantly trying to be Nathan, there will never be Josh. I have to be who God's called me to be. No matter what that looks like. No matter who you are. You're all old enough to be past peer pressure, right? But you remember in high school, like that senior year, that junior year, Where you had to fit in with everybody and there were things called cliques. God didn't call us to be cliques. God called us to be separate and He called us to be who we are. Because when we operate as who we are, no matter what what that is, when we operate, we operate in His will. No matter, well, you don't really know me. I don't need to know you because He does. And if we're following after His will and we're being who God has called us to be, that's it. I love my pastor, but I can't be him. I tried. It's impossible. His eye can go this way and this way at the same time. (laughs) I even tried it in my preaching style. Guess what? Don't work. He is a phenomenal man of God. And the more I tried to be like Him because I love Him and respect Him and want to be like Him, the more I wasn't myself. And when I started being myself... Even though it was different and all the words didn't come out right and and there were some things that didn't always jive. Even though that way, that's when God really started to go, you're following me now. You're trusting in who I made you to be. You're trusting in what I'm calling you to do. And when we get get past all the the, the face and all of the the body image and all that kind of stuff, it really breaks down to the talent that God gave us. And when we operate in that, we begin to walk uh, in what He has called us to do, and we begin to know who we are. Number six, listen to God's Spirit. John 10.27 John John in the Amplified says this, The sheep that are mine hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me. When we listen to God's Spirit, again, I talked about this in the very beginning, we've got to be prone to listening. Sometimes it's all a laundry list of what I need from you, God. All right, you ready? Here we go. And then we just go. But prayer is not just about a list. Sometimes it's about listening. You have to be careful because you doze off during that time. But we got to listen. And you can't say, well, I fell asleep for 30 minutes and God spoke to me. No, He didn't. You fell asleep. <laughs> Because when we read the word and we don't understand or God wants to bring us insight, we have to ask the question, God, why did you allow David at such a young age to go to that camp and stand before the giant? Oh, that's right, because he was following your will and not his. And he knew there wasn't anything about him that should be able to defeat the giant, but he knew that you could defeat the giant. And that's what he called. Number seven, listen to your heart. Psalms 37 and four through five says this, delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires and petitions of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in Him also and He will do it. God will give you the desires of your heart. Why is this number seven? Because the Bible also says that the heart is deceitful. Right. Right. And this is number seven because we've got to have the walk. We've got to move step by step by step till we get to this point where God's desires are our desires. Right. And our hearts change. God ever change your desires? Yes. I know He changed mine. People are like, you got to give up all this stuff. No, it's, it's desire change. And you get all this stuff. I, I hate hearing that because it, I don't have a good story of how that look what that looks like. But what I have is the way your heart just flips. And everything you used to love no longer you do love. Because now you just love people. And you love God's will. And you follow after God's will. And you don't care what, how messy or what that looks like. You just want to go after it. Um, the desires change. Number eight, and I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, we need to look at our situation. I was five foot, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spread it a little bit, 5'10", five, 5'10 10, five, 10 in high school, and I graduated at 140 pounds. I played football. I went to college, played two years of college football. I thought I was going to the NFL. I mean, look at me. I'm chiseled. <laughs> you can't tell because I got this coat on. <laughs> I thought I was going to the NFL. I thought I was playing for the Bears and I was going to take them to the Super Bowl. Forget the fact that as a quarterback I couldn't even see over the line. And then they told me in college I was too short, so they put me on the defense. It didn't change. I knew I had a cannon and I was going to get there. But you got to know your situation. I put everything in that. And I cast God off to the side. And I had no relationship in that. And I put my dreams and I put my desires in my own will. And then all of a sudden, when that came tumbling down, what did I have? I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything. But thankfully, God was there to pick me up and begin to tell me what He had for me in my life and begin to lay me on a course and a direction. And I didn't have to scarl over like I was a teenager. He picked me up or like a toddler. He literally picked me up right there. And He said, everything that's happened in your life, I'm going to use it for my glory. Amen. Stop looking at what you've been through and say, oh that's just a that's just a bad deal God'll never use me He will. the enemy is lying and telling you that he won't use you and that you'll never be anything good but you got to look at your situations with God's will and God's will will take that for good and he will use it for his purpose and you will impact this world like no one else. I don't care if you've walked away or you've been in church all your life. quit looking back and going I wish I just did this because that's not what God's doing. Take this situation and use it for His glory.